This is the official Covering the Corner podcast, episode 182. I am your host, Matt Lyons, and on this week's episode, we'll talk about Cleveland getting a new name. They're going to be called the Guardians after the 2021 season. We'll talk about that, how it happened, and what we think of the name. We'll talk about Shane Bieber, Aaron Savali going to the 60-day DL. Not completely unexpected, but talk about what that means when they can actually come back, and if they'll be back to help really a playoff push or just kind of going towards 500. Talk about that. And Tristan McKenzie, is he good now? Talk about that. He's had a good game last game. Uh, on Sunday, has had a couple of games in the past, a couple bad ones, but um, figure out if he's actually good or if this is just another blip. And we'll talk about the trade deadline, um, what Cleveland can do, whether they're buying or selling. Joining me for all that more, another Mr. Merritt Rolfing. Merritt, how are you doing? I'm great, man. Thank you for asking. Thanks for having me. Uh, it's a, yeah, I know you're a special guest this week, not not usually <laughs> on, but <laughs> Merritt Rolfing, have you heard of him? This guy over here. Uh, I forgot to mention we'll do meatballs too because I don't have one. I forgot to write it down. But we we'll meatball, meatball. It sounds like yeah, <laughs> me singular meatball. Mm, one big old meatball. You know, I went to an Italian restaurant. They did have that as an appetizer. It was literally just one large meatball. Uh, was there anything else? Is that a normal thing? Just one? I don't know. It's what I got as an appetizer. <laughs> it was just Great. a big old meatball on a plate. Yeah, just in a, in a little bowl. I had a little sauce on it with it, but you know, you had no pasta or anything. And then I got meatballs for. I, I can't pretend like I haven't made meatballs for something and then just ate a bunch of meatballs. So. Yeah, of course. That's what you They're have so to do. Around. They're yeah. right there for eating. Like my mom used to do that all the time, and I just have to steal meatballs off the broiling tray and burn my hand and my tongue. But... <laughs> Worth it though. You just go uh, face first into it and get them off. 100%. You don't want to. You don't want to ruin it with your fingers or anything. Why do you crush your meatballs? I ain't got time for for letting things cool down and, you know, things like that. (laughs) That would be a perfect way to go into meatballs. But I think we should talk about um, the the name change first. That's kind of the big deal of what happened this week, I guess, unless you consider – I can't think else anything else that the team did besides not getting swept by the race. So it's it's the name change. Um, We found out on Thursday? Friday. Friday that they're going to be the Guardians um, after the 2021 season. There was a lot of leaks leading up to it. very small rumblings a while ago with two random people who said they had sources that said it was going to be the Guardians for sure. Guardians. I still don't know if they made that up, but um, then there was, um, what is his name, McNeil Reflog18 on Twitter. He said on Thursday that he had a source that said it was coming on Friday. And then, of course, we heard from you know, Cleveland.com and um, it was either WKYC or the Akron Journal. One of them was saying that it, it was for sure coming soon. They had made a decision, but they weren't sure. And then, of course, on Friday, we found that it was the Guardians, which is, of course, it, it's not named after the statues that are outside the Guardians of Traffic there, but it pulls inspiration is the way Paul Dolan put it. Um, so we have our name we're for next year, which is exciting because it's been uh, – we here at Covering the Corner haven't used Indians for a while, so it's kind of neat to have a name to say again. It, it feels a lot different. It also feels – like a lot of times, like saying a team name is is harder than saying just the city. Like it fits so much better in the in the sentence to say the city. But but we have Cleveland Guardians after twenty twenty one, and we're basically using it now on the site too. Like we're because we haven't said Indians, so we might as well say Guardians, um, which is cool because I like Guardians. I think it's a cool name. Um, what do you think of it overall? The uh, the name, the logo, we saw that too. So. What are your thoughts on all of it so far? You know, just as you described that process, I thought to myself, how does this a random <laughs> joke Twitter account have sources within the Cleveland Indians or Cleveland baseball team? Rather? I don't think this is the first time he's gotten those. No, it's like, not, <laughs> is the thing. Like, he's, he's done this a few times. I'm like, yeah. how? Oh, whatever. Who cares? It's very yeah. strange. Um, and it felt like, too, between that and the other stuff, I wonder if they were, like, rushed into doing it. Because I, I heard that on Friday night or Thursday night, they were still getting the rights, some kind of legal thing to get it so they were right up to the wire i i wonder if because of all the bubbles that were coming out like they had to rush to get this thing out <laughs> yeah 
great management of the of the press by by the front office. They're very very oh, proud yeah. of them. Uh, as for the Navy, that's fine. You know, um, I wish they changed the colors. Uh, I wish a bunch of other things. I'm, as I mentioned before we started recording, I'm already sick to death of name change discourse because between people just complaining to complain and people who have no knowledge of anything and people who just want to be mad about stuff, uh, it made for most things to be uh, quickly insipid. I was tired of it after about an hour and a half on Friday. Which sucks if it continued. I think it feel like it petered out a bit by now. I'm excited to buy a cool hat with a uh, flying winged G baseball sandwich situ- situation going on there. That's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, I was kind of hoping they'd go with something weird and different. A friend of mine and a former writing colleague uh, su- kept suggesting that Foresters, because it is the Forest City historically, and I thought that'd be cool. A cool different thing. And I like Foresters and Forests, and they could have gone with green as a main color, with maybe purple. That was an idea I had. But no, it's a fun name, you know. Um, I would and have I think, green and purple even with the Guardians. That would have been cool. I So I guess my, my I was talking to my dad about this. And I think in my mind, the colors that make the most sense for them to transition to would be something akin to like what the Padres were wearing um, before they switched back to their brown. Like kind of that blue and gold mix. Yeah. And they had an Art Deco kind of font too, right? Yeah, exactly. Well, yeah. no, they did not. They, um, well, I mean, it was very bland, but <laughs> yeah, it, was, it made it, me think of Art Deco just because of Right, and I think the coloring, because uh, when I think Art Deco, obviously, I think of two things. Batman, um, the animated series, obviously, and then <laughs> like and then like movies that take place in the 1930s in Los Angeles, because they always have to show the, the police department, which is an Art Deco design. Yeah, and Bioshock. Um, How could you not mention Bioshock? I only played Bioshock for like 10 minutes because I found it boring. Uh, so, you know, uh, so there you go. Yeah, but yeah, but, I would have liked even. Um, I, I like the name, but I would have loved like they could have done green, and it's still if they didn't want to be the foresters, which that didn't sound like it was one of the ones towards the end. Like no. you could still honor it and have more things to connect to Cleveland because the statues do connect really well. I think um, more than uh, any other name, like the Guardians, because of how close they are and, and what they are. It's kind of weird that they aren't leaning on the statues as much as I think they should. They didn't. Aren't they like it right there, like right outside of the stadium? Oh too. yeah, you can, like, there's lots can... of pictures you can get with them. I wonder yeah. if they're they're just worried about tying their identity to something else physical yeah. in the city. Like it, they could be torn down or something, and then whoops, that's done. So it's just kind of like a, a side thing. But they're posting about it a lot on their social media, so they're not hiding from it. But it would be cool if they centered it around that and maybe did like some kind of video explaining the connection. Cause a lot of people outside of Cleveland didn't seem to even get that there was no, not at all connection, but yeah, that's I kind mean, of the, the appeal of it too. I think. Yeah. It's, 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 it's a very interesting local thing. I mean, it has more of a tying to its, you know, its local roots than say the giants. There are no giants in San Francisco or East Rutherford <laughs> for that matter. That we know uh, of, that we know that of. That's fair. Good yeah. point. <laughs> uh, you know, but I mean, I'd, I'd say if anything, it's, it's akin to the rays or the Rangers or the, and I think everyone thought Rays was a stupid name for a long time anyway. Oh, it's and, the worst. It used to be the Devil Rays. That was awesome. That's that was a way cooler name. name, but apparently cursed. Uh, and, you know, if, if we were want to start thinking about sports names in general, you know, they're they're, they're all stupid. So if you really want to think this one's dumb, you're dumb. So that's my opinion. I think it's fun and, and a little different. And even if it does seem generic in its own in, in a way, I can understand that because we all play too many video games. We've all done create a, you know, create a franchise and there's always that, that existing. I think no matter what, it's going to look generic up front. Like, I'm glad they didn't go with any of the other leading names. Honestly, spiders I never wanted. Um, I, I understand it's a tie into the history, but that team did stink. In case we all forget, like very bad, bad. Uh, I never wanted naps. Really, I love naps, but you know, I don't know. I mean, Walleyes was one of the finalists. See, Wal- <laughs> which is awful. All right. <laughs> 
Um, I guess they could have made some sort of play off the word eerie, which would have been fun. Uh, but this is, like a spooky I mean, theme. I hate to say, yes, exactly. Thank you. Uh, I hate to say this is as good as you're going to get, because I think it's a pretty good name. And I honestly, I'm assuming that they're going to do some further uniform and stuff changes because. Oh, yeah. If nothing else, I really hope they get away from the script and the red, white and the blue. Because there's like a million teams that use some combination of red, white, or blue, or just red and white, or blue and white. Like, I pretty much named every single team except the, what, the... You're trying to think of one, aren't you? The, <laughs> I mean, the um, Padres are... The, I, a, I, the A's and the, and the Padres. That's that's it. And I guess the Mariners is kind of a green-blue because of the C and the, and the White Sox. And I think that's every single team that doesn't use red, white, or blue in some combination. And so, just to be more unique, because like, I mean, look, at the end of the day, we're talking about a very small market team. Uh, that doesn't get a lot of recognition, especially now that doesn't that's going to have a, a controversial name. Uh, so, and, and outside of having a guy with um, very little personality win a Cy Young or trading away some future superstar, they don't really get a lot of play. So you got to do something weird, like with the Padres and their cool, um, cool brown uniforms, or the Mariners and just being. I love their whole thing. Everything. About yeah, the, 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 the Mariners' branding. whole thing is cool. What, their <laughs> throwbacks are cool. Moose. The blue yeah. and gold thing is neat. Like everything, oh, yeah. their, their whole vibe is just kind of neat and different. And like the, the, their colors don't make any sense. Silver and and sea, you know, sea foam green or something, and black and what and whatnot. So I do something a little more remarkable, I guess, is what I want. Look at the Tigers. The Tigers have such cool colors, and they always have. Like they're one of what two teams? The fact that D's the hat doesn't match the D on the uniform, and the fact that they use orange, but only on their away jerseys and not their home jerseys, so confusing. Just like it's a wonderful mishmash and. I think that if you're going to be a minor league team, a minor league team, Jesus Christ, if you're going to be a small market team and also a, a minor league team for the for the big teams out there, do something remarkable and easily marketable. And I think that that's something that the Guardians kind of creates a something to jump off of. I just hope that they kind of really lean into it and start doing something interesting, cool. But yeah, I think gold or metallic colors, I think, jump out at me as as the path forward. Yeah, Maybe I, I do like for royalty. Yeah, you mentioned the, that they stayed with the script. It just does not work with that many letters, I think, is the biggest problem. Like, that combined with the fact they tried to make it, like, pointy, like the statue, which was kind of a weak connection to begin with. I think um, the G-U-A-R in script doesn't work together because it just looks like a bit of a smudge. Because well, there's, all... there's so many more letters. Like, Indians are just I-N. they got to cram all these. I mean, there's no way they're going to replace that Indian's light um, below the progressive or above the scoreboard. There's no way you're going to fit guardians up there and it's going to stay. I don't know. What no, they're gonna do no. There. Well, and if they do it, I would hope they do it more like, like if you ever go to like Oriole park or Camden yards, just have Orioles like in a, in like a, in big block letters, do something like that instead of, or, big... or give me that big flying baseball. I'm all for that. I love that. Thing. Yes. That's grown on me a lot. Like I saw people hate it cause they wanted a big scary statue man face. But I'm really glad they want the fun, creative one. Um, I want both. You know, I kind of want, like, uh, I, I do want the mask out of the horrifying Art Deco monstrosity, but also his little buddy, the little flying baseball. <laughs> and I want I both that. these things. Uh, I think embracing the... Because the thing about Art Deco in general, too, is it's absolutely terrifying if done correctly. Like, um, in, in the hit movie Sky Captain in the World of Tomorrow, uh, that nobody saw, that's all Art Deco. <laughs> uh, and that's... I think that'd be a lot of fun, just a really soulless, emotionalist, crushing machines is what I see when I see those statues or anything like that. Really, honestly, is a, there's a certain emptiness to it. And I yeah, like there's it. so many little connections they can do, like with the scoreboard videos they are going to do. I'm sure like on field stuff, I hope they don't shy away from it. Cause obviously they haven't been able to do anything with Indians, but now they have guardians. They can do 
as much as I hate the Marvel thing everybody's been talking about, like you could do a Guardians of the Galaxy night. Why not? People do Star Wars nights all the time. I think it'd be yeah, kind of cool. It's a, it's a minor league. Do, do go go find the, the most successful minor league team out there and see what they're doing for promotions and listen to them. Because and it's even a major league thing. People do Star Wars stuff. Yeah, exactly. Wars, so, so yeah, you you, ha- you gotta you gotta make yourself interesting and fun. You know that. Do it. Do it that yeah, way. And I like the idea of like a big moment coming up and there is, like you mentioned, our deco was so void and terrifying. Like on the scoreboard, just that big statue just is imposing over everybody. Just staring like, damn, that's awful. It's going to be so good. Because yeah. <laughs> only the batter is going to see it and you can intimidate him with it. So, I mean, there's so many fun things that you can do. So, I, I'm looking forward to just not having a racist name and one you can sort of like lean into a lot. One of the things, I, I don't know before this season how much I was, I like believed in how important a name was, but like not using the team name for so long like and it creates a connection that was that was gone like, and i know i say it sometimes on the podcast too because i just i don't know what else to say but like i don't write it i know that for, that for a fact and so it's just like like you said it's it's just saying the team the cleveland baseball team like i live in dc where they they don't have a they don't have they're playing on not having a team name here too which is bizarre i don't know it's, oh, yeah, it, it's it, weird Are they... it's weird like when you listen to sports radio here they say the washington football team it's just like what? I don't know it's very it's um it it's creates a, a disconnect too like you can't yeah. get as as involved as like cheering for the guardians you're just cheering for cleveland which is, is different so and there's always the argument like oh well premier league soccer has never had names but like they always kind of gain, gain informal names i just don't think that american fandom is creative enough to come up with some new creative name that it doesn't accidentally tie back to what it used to be so we, we, we're kind of stuck with having to give a name to something and whether it's cleveland whether it's here in dc whether it's Braves eventually switching over to the Hammers, which I think is number one the coolest idea Ooh, like for a that. nickname. Like that rocks, honestly, man. Like I've seen several people mention them. Like that's a cool name. It's way <laughs> that better. Even than... like sounds good. Atlanta Hammers that that oh, rolls so yeah. well. It, it, it pops right. It, I, I like it a lot. But yeah, that's, that's Cleveland's Indian Guardians after this year. Uh, we're excited about it. I you mentioned the hat. I want to get one of those. I don't. I, I need hope. both hats. I like the. I'm kind of disappointed. Yeah, or C or whatever is so good. Yeah. but I'm kind of disappointed we didn't see the flying G on the hat. Um, in the mock-ups, it was only the uh, the C, which is good. It's a really good C. I think it's better than the block C, but I want to see that little winged buddy on a hat. I hope they have release. I'm sure they release them for like fans, but I hope they use them in some kind of uniform. Well, like winged field. buddy too. Yeah, yeah, some sort of alternate, an alternate with the the 19 early the early 70s red pullovers, but with guardians on the front instead of Indians, obviously, with the little flying buddy hat. Oh man! And also, I have to say, I do love the the new C because it's not a stupid block C. It's it's in some ways remarkable. It looks like, like all, a baseball logo now. Right, of, exactly. It's not like something yeah. like uh, pressing a letter on the uh, this one. Uh, cool. Like, you know, the Reds one is interesting. The the Cubs one is iconic. Um, what other C lo- logos are there? You, you get the idea. Yeah, and it's, um, it's also just like too the block C. There's too much space in there, and like the, with the diamond C, they did it so it like squeezed together, but that fills in that space, so it's not like a big void, and it just doesn't look good. So. I'm really happy with all the branding they did with it. I I wasn't big on Guardians at the beginning. It's, I sort of got, I accepted it as it was clear, like that was inevitable. And then now I'm straight up excited for it after seeing all the stuff they did with it. Getting Tom Hanks to narrate it, sure, why not? I'll be excited if I need them Tom to Hanks continue the rebrand to further steps. Uh, like I said before, colors and and adjusting some things, but yeah, I, I think start. they're probably stuck with the colors at least because they. But, but part of it, they mentioned all the fans they talked to. I can't imagine how many fans say, "You don't change anything. We got to stick to our, our roots and." Like they took that to you can't you got to change as little as possible, which is kind of what they did. So well, you just change it slowly, and no one will notice. And <laughs> just you know, and you know what you do with the chart on the Photoshop. Nothing. You go like one inch every year. Yeah, it's like, oh, what it's always been this kind of weird foamy green. 
<laughs> we're getting over to the gold and, and purple eventually. Ooh, I, like, I like this idea of a dark green, like a dark blue green, actually. Hmm. I'm going to be thinking about this for a while now. I mean, there's so many, like gold and purple, or um, what did you mention? Green and purple, I think is really Green good. and purple would be good. Uh, gold, purple and gold are my school colors. That'd be fun. Gold and brown are, is my uh, my little brother's school color, so that'd be fun too. And it's garish. I'll say that much. I mean, it's the Padres too. So. Oh, good point. I didn't think about that. I mean, the, the Wyoming Cowboys wear much more of the brown. I think that really pops. So, yeah, the brown pops. You know what? Uh, you know what else pops, Mary? Tell me. Roast Meatball. meatballs pop, Mary. Um, so weekly meatball segment. I don't have one this week, but uh, but you said you do, and you said it's super good, and nobody's going to be disappointed. And you spent <laughs> nope. so much time researching. I it, did actually, and yeah. it's probably the best meatball ever. So go ahead. So I I have two techniques when it comes to meatballs. It's either something I remember I saw, or it's I pick a player and I find something interesting they did in the last week. Basically, <laughs> I have yeah, two that's, techniques. That's the uh, strategy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know, I um I went to a lot of minor league baseball games this weekend, so or this past week, and was paying some other stuff. So I didn't see a lot of baseball. Uh, but here's what I found. Did you know that, um, how am I going to phrase this? It's interesting. It's an interesting little statistical quirk I found. Did you know that on Sunday, no, I'm sorry, last Tuesday, Jose Altuve tied, actually he took the lead in most home runs given up by Tristan McKenzie from a single player with two. That number was later tied by Nelson Cruz on Sunday. God damn it, that guy. <laughs> Kind of two. It took Jose Altuve half as many at bats to get to the number two as he did Nelson Cruz, though, uh, with four instead of two at bats. So there you go. Those two guys have beat more of the crap out of uh, Tristan McKenzie in his career, in his short career than anyone else. The list of people he's given over home runs to is actually very short and interesting, featuring such names as Willie Castro, Whit Merrifield, Mike Ford, who I'm pretty sure exists still, Dexter Fowler, Tucker Barnhart, Adam Eaton, Rob so Refsnyder. Big name power hitters. Really huge <laughs> names. And then Nelson Cruz. Yeah, so an MVP, a silver slugger, and then other guys also who are alive. I would say the third best hitter on this list, who he's given a hit home run to, would be Tim Anderson and then Whit Merrifield and then just nothing. So I think that's a good sign because it shows that he isn't he doesn't wilt in front or he's either either an equal opportunity getting smashed or alternately. Uh, he's uh, not afraid of the big guys. He actually just is afraid of the little guys. So I don't know. That's a good one. I, I wonder if there is anything to that. Like if you pitch, so what would it be that he's attacking the the bad guys too much? Maybe I guess his he, problem. His problem usually is everyone, he's not attacking enough. So. Maybe he sees everyone the same, or else he gets into too many uh, hit, uh, hitters counts. Let's see. Oh 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 two one one two oh 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 two and two. Actually, there's only like three hitters counts on this entire list. Well, I mean, his problem usually is that he, he he misses the zone when he's bad, and when he's good, we get games like yesterday where he was. It was tremendous, by the way. This was kind of a secondary thing. The two home runs he gave up to Jose Altuve in one um in one game, in consecutive at bats, mind you. First one was on the fifth pitch, and it was kind of a down right down the middle, slightly lower than center. Second was on the seventh pitch of the at bat, and it was in the exact same location. To, to which I will say, please stop throwing the ball there. That was Altuve. And he says, <laughs> no, I, I will continue to do this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Don't, just a big circle. This area, avoid. I guess in part we can blame uh, Minute Maid Park for that because it's a stupid park with a big, dumb, well, small, dumb uh, porch out there. And It's small in stature, but big and dumb. Yeah, yeah, you know. Big, dumb, stupid, small. And then they got rid of the hill. There's no reason to love that park, I've decided. I mean, it's the train. That's all I got left. Oh, yeah, they got the train. Never mind. The train's cool. it, it, back in the top three. All right. All right, cool. <laughs> But yeah, I mean that brings up the question. I mean, is uh, is is Tristan McKenzie good now? Like you mentioned that um, when we were talking about topics, and 
and I looked and he's so still inconsistent, but I mean, now we're getting to the point where the good games are more consistent than the bad ones, at least like he's in his last four, he only had one complete meltdown after that. He's been, I mean, pretty good. And it was the, like the best offense in baseball. Right. Yeah. One of, you know, and, what, but he was what good against the do? Rays too. So who's also good offense. So yeah, that's the thing. Like, is he good or is he not? I was actually researching that a little bit because obviously his, his fastball velocity is far below average. Uh, his, none of his spin rates are particularly impressive, but I think the thing we all were hoping for would be he's so, so tall and lanky. Among starting pitchers uh, with any level of actual like participation in baseball this year, as far as working, uh, he's has the 13th um, highest extension at 6.8 feet uh, in front of the rubber. So I think that was something that I, I know we all kind of wondered and thought about might be a, a good separator for him, despite his lack of velocity, is his perceived velocity <laughs> by being, again, so long and lanky, being able to be closer to the mound when he releases to kind of give him a couple more visual uh, miles per hour or things of that nature. Um, I don't know. Just something I kind of noticed again. It's not, it's not like he's like the the highest, I was like seven and a half feet, which is huge, but I think 13th highest uh, and and above average at 6.8 feet on average per pitch. Yeah, that's pretty good. Uh, I mean, he's got something arms. He's exactly. And long legs. Like these are, these are the, these are his physical separators. He, um, I think if you could get his velocity back up to what we saw when he like first debuted and he was, you know, 94, 95, 96, I think that's something you can work into perhaps, but over time, but I think for now that this is what we're going to see. And he's kind of become a kind of three pitch pitcher. I was looking at the last few games. I, don't, I think he's thrown one change up in all of July and like three change ups prior to that too. Like he's just not throwing anymore. He's really just kind of a fastball curveball uh, slider guy, which in other guys it has made me complain guys like Sam Henches, who is the exact same mix and throws harder and is bigger, but to obviously um, less effect. But he's trying in the right direction. You know, I mean, if you look at all, any of his charts, his, uh, everything is going better time over time. His exit velocity uh, is still the bottom 1% of the league. Uh, barrel percentage also very bad. Walk rate is going down, though. I think that's the key to it. He's, he needs to stop walking people. It's something he's never done before, and you just got to get back to that. I think he's thrown 25 change-ups all year. So, huh. I don't know. Yeah, the, the control is the real, the real issue for him is, is just not walking so many guys. It seems like when he's, I mean, it's either, you can tell almost right away if he's going to have a good or bad game. Because he'll come out and he'll be attacking right away and he'll, he'll cruise to the first inning. Otherwise, he struggles and then you know it's not going to be a great afternoon. But um, I feel like the more of the good games we get, the more, obviously, the better it'll be. And I, I think Cleveland really needs it right now because they don't have um, Bieber Savali. I don't think Zach Plezak quite looks like himself yet. And I, I think it is also a good sign that like Mejia and Quantrill and Eli Morgan have they're slowly looking like major league pitchers at the very least, which is um, exactly what Cleveland needs. So, um, I mean, even when he is here, he's still 7.52, but he has had a couple of good games where he doesn't look completely terrible. He just got to get out of those early innings. And I think we're getting to the point where these guys have finally gotten their playing time in. They got consistent. They can get back on the routine and now they're not looking completely awful every time they go out. So, and I think, that's something we keep on forgetting about too, right? Because um, it's kind of a two-part thing. One, we, we've just been so spoiled as fans of this team. Uh, to be able to see all of these guys be good, whether or not well, we, we I think part of it is it's a, a lack of remembering when Corey Kluber was merely a league average pitcher his first year. Like he was fine, he wasn't great, or um, Bieber, same th- same thing, right? Or Clevenger, who was bad for a while. I mean, I think his his third third ever at bat, he gave up a dinger to um, what's his name Miguel Cabrera, and then you look at some of these guys who are, they're leaning on that, right? Like Tristan McKenzie hasn't thrown a hundred innings as a major leaguer. And he has thrown more innings than anyone else who's in their rotation outside of Zach Plesak. And so it takes time. It takes time for them to figure out what works and what doesn't. Case in point, not throwing his changeup, 
leaning on his slider more, being more fastball heavy than I think you'd expect for a guy who only throws 92. He's still getting the strikeouts. So again, again, the walk rates are going down, I think. Um, Mejia, same idea, right? I, I know you and know, I have talked several times about his inability to get out of the first inning, it seems like, but uh, he seems to be getting better at it. He uh, seems to be leaning on other pitches besides his sinker and his slider. Um, I don't know. I, th- I think this is just what the, the, the part of this rebuilding year that we forgot we were going to have to deal with because we hope that they have some guys to at least lean on. But, you know, what we got? we got 70. Cal Quantrill now has 207 career innings pitch as a major leaguer. Like he's at 72.2 for the, for the year. Uh, Eli Morgan has a career, like five innings pitch, something like that. Um, it's going to take a while. And I think th- they're trending the right direction. This is where Cleveland, I think, makes its bones is helping guys find out what works and then leaning on that kind of stuff and then building around that. You know, look at, I think Shane Beer was a perfect example of that. He was good at one thing and he was good at two things. And then that second thing got, absolutely dominant in his curveball slider, whatever we want to call it. And then he just built off of that. So yeah. And hopefully yeah. that's still as dominant when he comes back and can't use any sticky stuff on his hands. But well, the thing is like, it moment. was, I, I, I refuse to believe he was using a ton of sticky stuff. I'm not going to say in like last year, I'm assuming everyone was, but also it was a weird year, but like in 2019, I don't think he, if you look at it, any of his numbers, he didn't have some kind of crazy amount of break on the stuff. He was a 320 ERA guy through 214 innings. Like he was, but he got by on location and craft, basically. It's almost, it's it's crazy to say this, but maybe it's almost like the the, the sticky stuff made his stuff break too much, and so it was easier to not swing it. That's stupid, I know, but at the same time, is it stupid? I don't know. So yeah, he's got a Cy Young now, and, he, and even if he just comes back and is merely a three twenty pitcher, you know what I mean? Like he was that in twenty eight nineteen. He was that that again this year, striking out a ton of guys, still not walking anyone. So. Yeah, I don't think like, even before the ban, like he didn't look like, which I don't think it's too terrible to say he's not like a what one six three ERA pitcher. <laughs> like maybe he's just a guy who hovers around three and still wins a Cy Young once in a while. Maybe he's not the best pitcher in baseball every single year. He's still a super good pitcher. So like literally the way offenses are and the way play, the way the game is like having a guy who can go deep and throw throw have a three ERA. That's literally all you want. Like if they had five of those, they'd win a, they'd win a World Series because they did have that and they went to a World. Well, everyone got hurt and. In August, but they had that for a while, and then they kept on winning a ton of games. I think they actually had that active. They won twenty-two games in a row, right? Like that's that's what you want out of, out of teams. And uh, I think that it's just going to take a while. I, mean, you, I think Eli Morgan's a perfect example of him figuring out what's working over time. His ERA is garish, but he's outperforming. His fielding independent pitching is still six eighteen, but he's not walking people. He's striking people out, and he's just giving up a lot of home runs because he needs to understand what doesn't, what does work. And I think he's going to, you know, so it's a learning process. You can't count. You can't point to thirty-one innings of a career, and I don't even know how many in college and you know how many, how many in the minors. Like another three hundred and thirty in the minors. Like you got to think he's only had three hundred and sixty as a professional pitcher. He he doesn't know anything yet. So, um, and he looks great, honestly. I think Eli Morgan of, the, of any of these guys, he, he flashes things. It's kind of blows my mind that he can do that kind of that, that change. Up is so stupid. It's just I mean, so that, that third pitch that's killing me as far as calling him really good. But I, I that's I assume that's one thing you can work on the off season, especially like. He knows this is the one thing he needs to focus on is getting. I think that slider is so bad, there's not much helping it. But his curveball, maybe there's something there. Like he just needs a third pitch. And we saw like this last time. Um, who, who was it again? Was it against the Astros? Was it? I don't know. But whoever he pitched against, um, he didn't use that changeup until like the second time through the order. So he um, he did a lot better through the second time. It was until like the third time where he started to, to struggle. But that's the thing he needs to do. Like if he can get his fastball working as well as it did, despite the fact that it's only like 
um, like mid nineties. And he was a little higher than normal in his last outing. He was like 93, 94. So if he can do that and then throw a change up second half of the order and then work in a curveball later on, like they got another starter. That's another fifth guy, another Josh Tomlin who can eat up a bunch of innings and maybe give up home run once in a while, but and maybe um, be more than that, that too. I, yeah. I think, I think that's the thing. I, like he, I think he could be more than that because I, I think he already has better. I mean, Justin had a really good curveball, admittedly. Yeah, no, I, I think he definitely has better stuff. Like, I never thought of Josh Tolman as a stuff pitcher. He was just kind of a guy who <laughs> never <laughs> seemed to – he just battled all the time, which was which was fun to watch. But And he's still doing it, too. Like, there was a – he made Fertino Tatis look really bad at one bat. So that was fun. <laughs> he's still around. Josh Tolman's still kicking down there in, in Atlanta. But Is he really? Yeah. Oh, yeah, he's still he pitching. He is, huh? Good for him, time. man. Yeah. What a career. <laughs> now, we won't know um, as far as the reinforcements for the rotation, at least until next month, we're not going to be at full strength. Um, Cleveland, the last two days, they've had a bunch of bad news about pitchers, which I guess isn't, at least for in Bieber's case, I don't think it's completely unexpected. Um, we talked about when he was first injured and they put him on the 10-day DL. It's just kind of how you do it. You leave him there until you absolutely have to move him to the 60-day for a roster spot, and and now they need it because they they signed some other pitcher. Um, I think they traded for a guy who was on waivers. Who was He used to be a top prospect, but not anymore. But um, they just needed more roster space. They called they reactivated Cam Hill. I think he's the one who took over for, for Bieber's spot, but scan the cam scan the scan but yeah beaver's been out since june 14th they moved him to 60 day l so he can come back august 14th which is kind of brutal but it's 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 not completely unexpected i think also he's moving slower than cleveland sort of thought which is concerning he told uh chris antonetti told cleveland.com it's just been a little bit slower to respond than maybe we had hoped it's something that may be lingering in there a little bit he continued to feel better but maybe just not at the pace we would have normally expected and for cleveland to say that like as a team that doesn't usually say anything, it's kind of concerning. The word lingering is always bad for me. It's, I think that is back to Michael Brantley. He always had something lingering, and then it got worse, and he was out for a year. So um, it's, I hate that word lingering, and they use that. There's something obviously still bugging him. I'd rather like if he was hurt and then he comes back, but there's something there. And then Savali, he's been out since June 22nd with the middle finger sprain. He's eligible to return now on August 23rd. He threw a bullpen special. It sounds like he's a lot closer than Bieber actually is. Like He's actually throwing bullpen. It's going to be all fastballs, they said, but... Um, he, he still can't come back to the 23rd, which I guess is also not completely unexpected. He, stra- he sprained his finger, um, which you kind of need those to pitch. So I, I can see why he's out. But this is, as far as the team place itself, like they are nine games back um, in the division. They're, they're barely a 500 team. Like I'm at the point where I don't see this as a team who's trying to make the playoffs. It's just shooting to not let Terry Francona go below 500 in what could be his last season as a manager. Like at this point, it's, because the pitching's not going to be a full strength. They might get something, but the the schedule's not going to get any easier. The offense, I don't know how much better it's going to get, but we'll we'll talk about trade down and stuff in a minute. But just as far as Bieber and Savali, is this, I mean, is any of this surprising to you that they're not coming back? Or yeah. I mean, the Savali, I think, maybe a little bit. Kind of sucks. You said the lingering thing is kind of a bummer uh, with um, with Bieber. I don't know. It's interesting because I don't know if you ever go on the, or any listeners go on to the baseball subreddit. It's fine. One of the, one of the less scummy areas of that website. It's been a lot of time. Spent a lot of time. Spent a lot of time on that website because um, he wants to work during the workday. But someone does post every week. Um, everyone's like ERA versus runs, like, like their ability to their overall performance. Right? It's like, it's like runs per game versus runs given up per game, or something like that. And like you, where you want to be would be in the lower right hand quadrant, which is confusing. Usually, you want to be in the lower left hand quadrant or upper right hand quadrant. Is usually where like Lionel Messi shows up in any of those charts. Um, but the better you are, you're going to be the lower left. If you're perfectly average, you're right around the middle. And Cleveland's been floating right around very basically average for the entire season. In fact, I think a little bit outperforming where their stats say they should be because they're above 500. And it, it, 
according to this thing, they should be somewhere just put under 500, which I think speaks to a lot of different um, things about their willingness, their management, the intangible crap that we can't really quantify. I was really kind of hoping they'd come back, like, like you said, kind of get them, drag them to 87 wins, not have a great season, have an okay season. Like you said, this the the, the division's about out of reach at this point. Uh, Eloy Jimenez is coming back uh, amazingly. Uh, the White Sox just keep on getting better. Um, so, yeah, I, it's, it'd be nice for them to just kind of grind it out. But uh, it, it's it kind of stinks. I think some of like, some like taking that long to come back. Is it, like, it was, what, a sprain, sprained finger, right, is what you said? Yeah. Yeah. All right, I figured it would, it would take – I was thinking it would take less time than effectively what seems like two months yeah. to come yeah, listen, back. I sprayed my finger and I was back, Merritt. I was back typing on that keyboard. Listen, I'm, all, I'm, I'm out here Week. playing every day. I, I jammed my pinky when I was in the 11th grade. It's still messed up looking. But guess what I'm doing? Stuff with my, drinking tea and everything. I'm over here. I'm still watching because I'm a real fan. Listen, I got my eyes open on the screen all the time. Except when I fall asleep while taking a nap because my cat lied down on top of me. Listen, all right. I ate a bunch of bit too much barbecue. <laughs> Took a little nap after after that, watching the game. Beyond that, though, I'm still watching. Uh, but yeah, it's it, like you said, it's a bit of a damper. I, I mean, hey, if you want to be positive about it, and I'm I'm good at that. Blessing the skies, more chances for the young guys to take their lumps, figure out what works, and see if they actually have something here. Because as we'll get to in a few minutes, they have a massive number of players who are on their 40 man roster, and they need to do something about it and figure out what works and what doesn't. Whether they actually have players to build around the stars for the foreseeable future uh, because they could be good again soon. And this is not the season for it. And I'd prefer Shane Bieber be healthy next year specifically to lead the rotation. Savali and, and please, I can let these guys to back them up and you know, have a nice robust rotation and have a, you know, have a go seven deep again. Oh yeah. Uh, like, I mean, like they have been. as soon as but, next year is the year they can start being I mean, pretty good offensively. You bring Nolan Jones up at some point this season, I'd figure you have to, he's been really hot lately. Um, if Owen Miller figures it out and he can actually hit a ball, then maybe he's good. Andres Jimenez, if he comes back and I don't know, you, you're going to deal Cesar Jimenez probably at the deadline and you, you get Ahmed Rosario, do something with him. Maybe, um, he's your shortstop and he lives up to, to what he was supposed to be when they dealt Lindor for him. But there's just so many players coming up to bite uh, pipeline. Oscar Gonzalez could be a surprise next year, the year after maybe, um, he's still pretty, really young for AAA, but he's there and still crushing the ball. So, I mean, they got to figure out the pitching. Um, but I think this is, like I said, a blessing in disguise to see if, Listen, we, we, we've gone through a lot of names here, but if one or two of, uh, what, uh, Mackenzie, Henches, Mejia, Quantrill, who else, Morgan, and then one or two other guys we haven't even thought about, like, if one or two of those turns into something approaching an above-league average starter, that would be a great rotation coming in next year. And I, I, I'd prefer Shane Bieber feel discomfort now and be healthy next year because – I know it was a short season last year, but he was really wearing a lot of innings, and he was doing that beginning of this year too. And it was just strange all around. So, yeah, I'm. I, it's not too hard to visualize this rotation as again being overflowing with quality. When, I mean, you have Bieber, Savali, and Plezak, and then if you got McKenzie, if you can assume he's your number four, like you have, what are we back to? Like four guys who can be your number five. That's what we wanted coming into the season, and we could have it again. Like if you got to find a way to give. Quantrill, Mejia, and Eli Morgan innings just because there's there's no room anymore because the rest of your rotation's filled out, then you're in a pretty good spot. So I, I think, I, I don't know, it, it, it's, 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 I'm not going to say troubling because I don't think it's going to be a long-term thing, but it is a little worrisome, I suppose, how, close, how much closer the Tigers are than they were a little while back as far as taking over the third, third overall spot. But <laughs> well, I mean, like the Royals, they were leading the division for a little bit there, and that didn't 
That's true. They really Tigers have lost three in a row now, so they're they're coming and, back and, down a little bit. So I'm not too concerned. But so like I don't know. The, 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 Cleveland is not going to be playing the, the Astros, and <laughs> you can make some October plans. I think I don't think you had to plan a little Halloween vacation or whatever if you want to do it. But like they're, like they 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 get to play some bad teams again. I think they'll again. I think they'll finish up like an 87 win season. Like, like we've been talking about, it's just where they it's where this kind of team ends up. A team that has talent is dinged up and can kind of scrape its way back to uh, legitimacy and then figure it out for next year because they they have talent. They just need to figure out whether it's, it's going to work in the majors this year, next year, and figure out what what is going to work. I think and I think that's the hardest leap for pitchers because outside of like Steven Strasburg or something, it takes a while for it to figure out what you're going to throw because you don't none of these guys have the 97 mile hour fastball with the with the big change of the big curve and all that stuff. Like none of these guys were were you know finished products and. I think Cleveland, really, even that big run they had over the last decade, has ever had a finished product coming out. It's always been an, an evolution into something great, and it takes years like this to get there. So, what are you gonna do? You know, shoot. Yeah, and uh, and and between now and the next podcast, we'll actually find out what they're doing to, I guess, either if they think I, I would assume at this point that I don't know if they can. They think they can go for it this year somehow, or if they're just gonna um, kind of sell off with what little pieces they have. But I guess just in general, what do you think they're gonna do um, at the deadline between now and? The next podcast will have our answers already, depending on what they do. But they don't have a whole lot to sell. I mean, like they're not going to trade Jose Ramirez, despite what JP Morosi was just spitballing, throwing out there out of nowhere, and then had to update his own fake rumor that it wasn't real, which was very entertaining. But good um, journalism. Good. <laughs> everybody seems to agree that Jose Ramirez is not being moved, which I think is good. Um, and then you just have like I guess Cesar Hernandez. He's I think the fact that he's hit up so many home runs is kind of makes him more enticing as a. a I think he has a, another year left, so another year and a half rental for him. Um, Eddie Rosario has been hurt, and uh, he's not been good, so I don't see a whole lot of value in him. But I think they're going to technically sell, but there's nothing to sell, so it's going to look a lot like they're not doing anything, which um, is kind of annoying and unfortunate. But we might have to also see some of the 40-man guys who um, know how to do something if they can get somebody controlled. Like the the Padres just got the um, – who did they get from the Pirates? Adam Frazier? Is that, oh, is that yeah, Adam not Frazier, Todd Frazier? Yeah. Adam Frazier. Yeah. Adam Frazier. Um, so one, something yeah. like that where it's just a super young guy who's controlled. Like if they get. He's 29 um, to be clear. Well, yeah, not super young, but like young enough he's controlled <laughs> for a couple of years. Like dip back into the Pirates and try to get. Um, I cannot remember his name. It's Brian. Let me just oh think God, for a minute and try and remember for you. <laughs> Brian. Um, uh, I believe you're thinking of Brian Reynolds. That's the, the one. center fielder. Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. I would give. I can't think of a prospect I wouldn't trade. <laughs> like for him, he's under control. He's young. He's super good. Um, I mean, I know Cleveland loves a lot of their prospects, but if a bunch of these guys are going to be gone, they just go all in and get him. But I don't think they're going to do that, and I think it's fair that they don't. Um, I think we're going to see at the deadline they're not going to do much, and it's it's not like an outrage because they're not close. They they don't have anything to sell unless you want them to trade Jose Ramirez. So I'm I'm it's going to be a boring deadline, and I think we're all just kind of kind of be okay with it. I think first of all, I think the funniest thing about people talk like, after John Paul Rose is creating that idea. Like, <laughs> That's a good way to put it. Just created the here, idea. here, yeah. I, whole cloth. Here it is. <laughs> people like uh, if you look at the, the comments, like, oh great, now they're going to get half of what they would last year. It's like that's not how trade value works. It's not linear. It's um, it's I don't know. Um, what's the other thing with the curve? Parabolic or something like that? Exponential? But it's not even exponential. It's like if you traded them now, you'd need an entire farm system. If you traded them next year at the same time, you'd need most of a farm system. Like, that's how good he is and how valuable he is to, to teams who want him. Uh, that being said, I think Cleveland does have the, the reverse problem. Uh, they're facing an, an issue with, like, the 40-man roster. Having, they have too much, they basically have too much talent in the minors right now. 
uh, and not enough. I, I I think they should be buying. I think your your idea for uh, what Brian Brian Reynolds. We're both forgetting it already. Yeah, uh, Brian Reynolds or someone like that. Like, <laughs> yeah, like like trade trade the prospects you have. Like do it. Well, what, what's what's the problem? Because this is like th- that. The reason you have prospects is not just to have guys come up and be good and you know and have them fully you know evolve. Like look at the Rays. Like the Rays. The Rays I mean, just Rays traded for Nelson anytime. Cruz. Yeah, yeah, the, yeah. they. You know, I, 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 I will definitely point to them as, you know, a, a, a bad example of how baseball has turned into a commodified pile of garbage, a hyper-commodified pile of garbage. It always has been that, in a way, but being taken over by hedge fund guys has not helped. But, like, if you look at their roster, it's all these guys from different teams that they, like, they traded for. And they made a move and, and because they either saw something in where he was talented and they were going to help him win now and not damage it. Like, you know. Yes, they, for every Wander Franco out there, there's the guys they traded for Nelson Cruz, or the guys they traded for, like, like, you know, or even like the movement when they traded for um for Tyler Glass now, I guess, right? Because that was like, I mean, that was just Chris Archer for Tyler Glass yeah. on Austin Meadows. That was an exactly. absolute destruction it's, of the Pirates. It's, it's, it's like, a kind of a, a reversal right there. But you know, like there's all these players on the on this ro- on this roster that are the kind of moves that I'd like to see Cleveland make to get your aforementioned Brian Reynoldses of the world, guys who are a little bit perhaps out of the curve of a team trying to compete. I mean, that said, the Pirates are in a division that's um, stinky, where everyone is somehow selling and buying at the same time. And they, they could probably compete in like two or three years. So having someone like Reynolds around when he's 28 to 30 could could be valuable. But I'm just saying, like, there's guys like that out there. Like, I'm, I'm sure you could find someone like that on – actually, no, they'd be a buyer. Um, what, are, what are some selling teams? I don't know. There's probably some guys in the Twins or, or – not Twins, the Cubs or something you could probably get. They just trade for a Chris Bryant. There you go. Just, just keep, that's a year rental. I don't know if I get Chris Bryant, but I know. Yeah, I, I think and the then, problem is like, him. yeah, <laughs> if you're going to yeah. do the raise thing, you kind of have to commit to it all the way, like, because their whole thing is they'll they'll trade anybody anytime, and they just get incremental upgrades. But like, and we've talked about it before with Cleveland, the situation they're in, like these incremental upgrades don't help them a ton because they're, um, like. Like the Rays are just the equivalent of taking their their outfield and bumping it up a tiny bit. The Cleveland needs a huge upgrade in their outfield right now to be to be competitive. So, unless you're going to commit to it, then you wind up like the Mariners, who are just always bad because they're trying to be the Rays, but they're not winning every trade. Like that, that's all the Rays do. They just as long as they're always getting a win in a trade, they'll trade somebody. They'll trade um, Snell after he was an MVP. They're uh, Cy Young. They'll trade Chris Archer after he was a really good pitcher. They'll trade anybody as long as they're getting the most value out of a trade. They'll they'll make it as and you just got to commit to that if you're going to do it. And you're always going to be sl- getting slightly better and getting rid of slightly worse um, players. But if you're not, you're just going to get stuck in the middle and then you're bad forever. So I don't know. Well, I mean, Cleveland's been doing that in, in fairness, right? They traded Corey Kluber, he got hurt, and now he's kind of wherever. They traded, I mean, they, they got a little bit lucky on this stuff, obviously. But like they traded Carrasco, he's been on the DL. They traded specifically all their good pitchers over the last decade. And they're all on the disabled list or other thing. Well, yeah, that, that's and, different. They're just good at knowing when they're going to be injured. I don't know if that's luck or if they can identify that they're super good at it. Like if, if that's what they're they're purposely trading these guys before they really gross, it. honestly. But, well, I mean, but it's really also, gross. Like, but, like, like if they have a way to monitor this and they can catch something, then they're they're really good at this weird thing they're doing. But um, I think mostly they're just doing standard trading stuff, right? Like they're getting Lindor. They traded him when he had a year left. Um, Carrasco they traded before. Well, then his contract might get more expensive or something, but 
Yeah, but I mean, they're not doing anything out of the like doing out of the ordinary now would be trading Jose Ramirez would be like what the Rays would do if they could get if they could find somebody with more value. No, out of the ordinary would be because that doesn't make any sense. Because again, like I got to say before the, the the actual the, the net value is not there. A, a, a trade that they would do would be trading like well, yeah, but they can't find it. But if they could, so like yeah, exactly. But like I don't, I don't know, I don't know, Bobby Zach, Bradley, Zach, trading him, Zach, yeah. yeah, Zach Plesak would be a good example, I suppose. I'm mean, never now because he's hurt and everything. He has to figure out figure figure his way back. But yeah, that'd be an interesting an interesting trade. Um, their specific issue in trying to pull any of this off right now is that they're all just so young and have so much control while also not while also being all potential and no value. You know, like, like you're not going to trade Fran Mil Reyes because he's just cheap and good and young. You're not going to trade uh, Jose Ramirez because he's too expensive and you're not going to get the value back. And also, and uh, but then you're going to trade Bradley Zimmer even though he's had a hot couple of weeks because there's no value there. So. Yeah, like, uh, I'd love to trade Bradley Zimmer if someone would take him. Like, I love that long-faced man, but I don't know if uh, there's anything out there for him. And then, like the other Rosario thing sucks too. I part of me thinks that's why they did it. They got him just to flip him at the deadline, and then he was terrible, and he's been injured, and I don't think anybody wants him for anything. Or to uh, fill, I think was, I mean, may, I, I mean, it's to fill I, a hole too because there's nobody out there. But <laughs> we, we were optimistic, certainly. Like he he play out there until June, they trade him, and then they bring Nolan Jones, but that, that didn't happen. And continues to not happen, which is curious to me. But I guess I just can't be mad about things. So Harold, you know, Harold Ramirez would be good if if, if he got hot and, and started really performing. Trading him would almost make sense. But like, he's the kind of player that the like the Rays would sit on for a year, get his OPS plus up to like one ten, one fifteen, and then move him for a guy who's a little bit younger, with a little bit higher of a ceiling, and go from there. So that's the kind of player, I suppose. Yeah, yeah and like, I don't I, like I, like you mentioned. It's part of what's the bad about the commoditization of baseball i hope cleveland doesn't turn into that kind of like endless factory of just trading guys and it's i, I get race fans still like their players but i like having players have any around fans so well, you know the ones that are there on twitter and that will yell at us for saying that but i, well, I think you know, like, cleveland has fans you know show up listen they still get high ratings on television everyone so yeah. checkmate all right what are the ratings <laughs> for the rays i don't even Got know them. yeah <laughs> they don't even know they're, they're in florida they, they're, they're, they're in the rays they're named after sunshine they don't count it's fine they got all the sunshine there, so yeah. But I, I think they should be buyers, though, in, in in a way like that, where they 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 move guys who are just going to clog at the forty man for someone who can bring pseudo immediate impact. Yeah, I, I think part of it will be. I mean, they basically just have to forecast who they think will be taken. Like, if there's, they got to look around to to forty spots, forty man spots. Like, who else has a bunch of room? Like, maybe there just isn't a bunch of teams that can afford to do that, and they can risk leaving some more guys on. But um, I mean, we're going to see so many that have to be protected and. I mean, the other problem is, like, the guys they've given shots have not been that great. Bobby Bradley's been good, but then bad for a while. Owen Miller was awful, and I, I get why he <laughs> got sent back down. That was fair. <laughs> totally fair. I get it. I'm usually one to be mad about that. But, uh, like, Daniel Johnson's been pretty bad. He's had a couple home runs at least. But, I mean, it's it, like, it like five at-bats, though. Like, I, I just – But like, it's once again, so bad. And I, I will pass no judgments on him because, <laughs> I don't know, he's only striking out 20 – 30. 30 something percent. <laughs> how, how much is he walking, man? Uh, you know, 2.5. <laughs> it's he's not walk. Well, he's walked. So I don't know what you want me to say here, man. He he's has a hits. walk rate. <laughs> he's, yeah, he has it. Yeah, it's, it's, it's not null. So I mean, yeah. There you go. Yeah. On the 20 to 80 hits. scale, it'd have to be at least 20 because you can't go down to zero. So I mean, listen, how many hits, how, how many players in baseball history have less than eight hits in their career? I'm actually going to find <laughs> yeah. out. <laughs> one of them is Daniel Johnson. Um, no, he has exactly eight. Oh, so go. let's see. Combined totals for careers. We're going for a journey here. 
Yes. It's just going to be so rough because like these guys haven't been good. That's what they needed. They needed to, I, I think, I mean, we talked about this so many times, but I think they found enough about Daniel Johnson between what they've seen up close in the minors and in the camp last year and what they've seen in the major. Like, I, I don't think they believe in him anymore, which, um, which maybe he can outperform it, which would be great. But like Owen Miller has been been awful. Gabriel Arias, I think, could come up this year maybe, even though he's super young this year or next year. I, the Nolan Jones thing is still confusing to me. Just the fact they haven't brought him up. Like, what are you missing out not having him up? Like, you're not manipulating server time anymore. You're just not bringing up a guy who's hitting really well. Yeah, I don't, I don't get that either. I mean, he's yeah. just kind of, I don't know. I guess they think he needs to work on his bunting. Defense. Bunting? bunting? bunting. They, they love that. They love bunting. On his dumb I, team. <laughs> Fangraphs gave him 70 raw power on a 28 to scale. Just crazy to me. I mean, he had 16 home runs in 2018 in, in single A, but. Okay, I finally found out the number. Number of players with less than eight hits in their career all time. That's going to be a 9, lot of players. 9,580. <laughs> That's right, man. That's right. <laughs> there you go. Sandy Alcantara is the first person to come up on this list, That's bizarrely. <laughs> You're right. Let me, let me put this so it's not pitcher. <laughs> oh, there you go. That'll fix everything. That'll be way less people. <laughs> not pitcher. Get results. There we go. This will solve it. I actually did it greater than or equal to seven. And I was like, oh, wait a minute. This is too many players. So just subtract that from the total number of players who've ever played in baseball. And you, got there you, go. you get the number you need. The yeah. 3,867. So he's more hits go. than 3,800 non-pitcher players ever in baseball history. So <laughs> Makes him pretty good. So pretty go. good, Daniel Johnson. We love you. <laughs> Pretty good. Possibly the best DJ on the team with the last name Johnson. <laughs> the, not Possibly. the best beard, but maybe not the, the best, best DJ beard. Johnson not, on the beard. Not by a long shot. Yeah. Um, I don't know, Samaritan. That note, Marina. That's going to do it for us this week. Um, if you haven't already, subscribe to us on Spotify, iTunes, wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you do, leave us a review. Let us know what you think of the show. Follow us on Twitter at Cover the Corner. On Facebook, find us Covering the Corner. I'm on Twitter at Matt RLY. Merit's at Merrill Lynch, like Merrill Lynch. Wait, no. Merrill Lunch, like Merrill Lynch. There you lunch. go. You nailed it. One of the, it's, I've done it so many times, you think I'd have it. But um, but yeah, that'll do it. Uh, Merrill, talk to you next week. I'll see you then. Bye.